the great fundamental issue now before our people can be taken place. It is, are the American people fit to govern themselves, to rule themselves, to control themselves? I believe they are. My opponents do not. of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. we shape the future in the image of our hopes is ours is to determine by our actions and our choices. If we succeed, generations to come will say of us now living that we mastered our moment. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo. Leading the right out of the ashes, this is The Right Take. Hello, everybody, and how is it going? Welcome, welcome, one and all, friends. This is episode number 90 here on The Right Take. A big milestone there, guys. We are getting ever so closer to the 100th episode milestone It'll be here before you know it, folks. We'll be celebrating our gold anniversary, or, or is that gold, or is, because I know silver is 25, maybe 50 is gold, maybe it's 100 diamonds, or is it platinum? Who knows? We'll invent our own precious mineral to celebrate 100th episode. We'll call it Magaite or something. I don't know. But before we get to that milestone, folks, we have here, for this 90th episode, a very special episode, as always. Uh, spoiler alert, real quick. I am your host, Eric Lendrum. Jacob is not here this week, guys. He is down in the trenches, as usual. He will be back next week, though. But for this episode, don't worry. You won't have to put up with another episode of Just Eric. We have someone on the line here. A guest. For the first time in a while, it's been far too long since we've had a guest. And it's certainly been far too long since we have had this guest. He is your guys' favorite. He is a man who, whenever he is on this show... He never, ever fails to guarantee that he will provide the highest quality 
infotainment. The episodes will always be fun and entertaining, but they will be informative with the information that the mainstream media does not want you to know. He is a journalist, but a real journalist, not one of those fake news hacks. It is time to have him back on to talk about a great topic, a fantastic subject that I know we're going to have a blast with. He is now back for the quadfecta here, his fourth appearance on The Right Take, the man, the legend, not the myth because he is 100% real, but the man and the legend himself, the one and the only Valiant News' Tom Papper. Tom, welcome back to The Right Take, my man. Well, thanks for having me back on, Eric. Your intros are always so nice. I feel like I need to go take a shower now. <laughs> after Only after this uh, two-hour-plus-long discussion, or however long it ends up being, because these episodes <laughs> always go on for a delightfully long run time. There are some people who say, like, oh, some episodes can go too long. No, 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 no. When Tom Pappard is on, there is no such thing as an episode that is too long, especially not with this juice, this sauce that we are going to be covering here on episode 90 of The Right Take. So... Uh, let's just get right to it. Uh, Tom, I don't know. Let me And feel free to uh, tell me otherwise here. But I don't know if this makes me a bad person or not, Tom. But I, as a man, I love drama. All right. I, I, I love drama. <laughs> I love drama. I love political drama. And I love internet political drama 2023 is the year of a logs let's go it's we got it all going down it's john doyle versus nick fuentes it's the kino casino versus ethan ralph it's andrew tate versus the world and <laughs> and this one but all those things all those kino conflicts are blown out of the water by the magnitude of this one it has absolutely gone viral it's got the whole conservative right-wing media sphere talking about it tom my man Please give our viewers, our listeners, a summary of this incredible drama between Steven Crowder, Mr. Mug Club himself, and The Daily Wire. Well, I have to admit that it may not be the most masculine personality trait, but I too like drama. And so I've not only seen Crowder's two or three videos on the subject, <clears throat> I've now seen the Jeremy Boring response. I've seen the Mark Dice response to the Jeremy Boring response. I've seen the Anomaly response to the Jeremy Boring response. I've seen all of the Daily Wire responses. I, I, I think I may actually be an expert on this subject. And after reviewing all of the materials, I, I'm reminded of Henry Kissinger when he was asked, I think it was about the Iraq-Kuwait war. And he just goes, "Ugh, can't they both lose? <laughs> and uh, I think I think that's where I'm at. So for people who don't know, Steven Crowder is the most popular conservative on the Internet. Uh, he can get I think he had 70,000 people watching live on Rumble uh, when he was doing his election coverage last November. Uh, he can regularly get tens of I mean, it's it's not a joke. He is the most popular guy out there. And so he has always been uh at a company, though, he's he's been at various over the years. Most recently, it was The Blaze. Before mm -hmm. that, it was CRTV. And who knows what their deal was, but he pumps up this mug club. Everybody thinks he's got mugs. This will come back later. Come to find out, he's leaving The Blaze. He's going to shop around a little bit. This is apparently what he's telling us, at least. And he gets an offer from Company X. Company X was offering $50 million over four years for... Uh, 11 months of work a year, uh, four days a week, uh, rescheduling whenever he wanted, allegedly. I mean, it just goes insane. But he didn't like that 
If you get demonetized on YouTube, there goes 25% of the 50 million. If you get demonetized on Facebook, there goes 15% of the 20 of uh, the 50 million. He said that this is akin to Daily Wire serving big tech and doing what big tech wants. Now, here's the interesting bit, Eric. As you know, Daily Wire and big tech are not enemies. They're frenemies. Exactly. They're, that that like, they I was just gonna say, yeah, that's so important for just a little bit more context here, because as you said, yes, you clearly you've seen all the responses. You're an expert here, and I when I first <laughs> saw the story breaking, I yeah, knew I'm probably glossing over stuff. You were the first person who came to my mind when I said we got to get a guest on. If we're gonna have any guests on to talk about this, it's got to be him. I said that before I even saw a single post from you. Then of course I went to Twitter. Everyone should follow Tom by the way on Twitter at Real Tom Pappert. That's P A P P E R T. And sure enough, you were tweeting a, a tweet storm about it and really good in-depth tweets willing to look at both sides, which is important because I come from this from a more biased perspective. We'll get into that in just a bit. But to backtrack just a little bit here, for those of you who don't know, Steven Crowder is a political comedian. So take that as you will. He's part of this, uh, the crop of characters who rose up during the 2015-2016 culture war era. He very much... Well, and can I note, by the way, that he was very anti-Trump. You know who his preferred candidate was? Re I this did not is, know this. Please tell this me. This is not a joke. His preferred candidate was Carly Fiorina. Oh. I don't usually pronounce her last name right. I am just oh. for Steven Crowder. Oh. Yeah, he was a Carly Figurino fan. Oh, <laughs> okay. That already, I, we said before we started recording, Tom, I said, I am. I don't know as much about the situation as you do. I am prepared for my mind to be changed on the air. That might help just a little bit because those of you who don't know, Carly Fiorina was former... Uh, Hewlett Packard, HP CEO, who was the nominee for the U.S. Senate in California in 2010 against Barbara Boxer, got absolutely. Well, can we talk about how she destroyed Hewlett Packard before she ever did that? She was in there for like five years. She took it from being like one of the big computer companies mm -hmm. to now it's like a subsidiary of a subsidiary. If you have an HP, it means that you're probably like a government contractor and your boss doesn't really care about you. Like that is what Carly Fiorina made that business. That's right. And 2010 was just the year California Republican politics really began to take a dive because simultaneously you had her running for Senate against Barbara Boxer and then you had Meg Whitman. Whitman, former CEO of eBay, running for governor against uh, Jerry Brown. And both of them, of course, not only did they get crushed, but they both went on to become very prominent anti-Trumpers. Meg Whitman went on to openly compare Trump to Hitler by name. Not a joke. Trump is literally Hitler. She's one of those few. Fiorina, of course, ran for the presidency, briefly kind of rose around the same time that Ben Carson saw a surge in polls because people really love their outsiders. But, of course, President Trump rightfully called her out for having a weird face, and she eventually declined <laughs> to the polls. Um, Who could vote for a face like that? We'll never forget she was almost vice president under Cruz. That's that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, what a blast from the past. That was a last-ditch effort from Cruz, who was the the, the runner-up, the only one who had a chance. That was before the Indiana primary. Last-ditch effort to try to get people to rally behind him. He said, F Carly Fiorina will be my running mate, an outsider, a woman, let's go. Proceeds to get absolutely dabbed on in the Indiana yeah. primary. And so. Steven Crowder is sitting there going, yeah, this is my team. This is my team. Little Ted Cruz, who oh. at the time was doing the most underhanded, dirty political tactics and horse face figurino. I mean, like, this is nuts. <laughs> and so th oh. th this is the thing about Crowder. He is much better. What he has done, I argue, is like objectively great. He does great work. Changed mm -hmm. my mind 
The Amazing. Going to yes. these college campuses. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, he has forever changed the culture. And you could argue the same about some of the Daily Wire guys like with uh, Matt Walsh's uh, What is a Woman documentary yes. and stuff like that. But fundamentally, it really chafes me. And maybe it's just because I'm not rich, but it really chafes me that these guys who were anti-Trump and were basically just towing the establishment line have now positioned themselves to be the outside renegades. And maybe, again, maybe I'm just like uh, selfish. Maybe I'm uh, petty, uh, but uh, maybe uh, it's it's not the best practice to be like bragging about turning down $50 million and then be like, I'm doing it for the next generation. Uh, okay. Yeah. When people literally can't afford eggs right now. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's what you want to hear about. That is true. Cause yeah. And again, as I said this to you before we started recording, I've never been a huge fan of Steven Crowder. Uh, my previous, only previous connection to him of uh, very tangential is that he used to be a, a actor, a child actor, a voice actor back in the days. And he voiced one of the characters on the hit animated, uh, children's television series, Arthur, which I did watch as a kid. Uh, how he makes the transition from that into conservative political comedy, I have no well, idea. His, his mom's an actress, I believe. Oh, and okay. so, yeah. yeah. And maybe the show business family, maybe that explains why, for among other reasons, as I also want to point out, of the that crop of characters, 2015-2016 was such a great year for culture warriors. You had people like Milo Yiannopoulos, Lawrence Southern, Gavin McGinnis, Paul Joseph Watson, all these people going on college campuses. Steven Crowder was one of them. And... Of those, though, uh, that whole batch, great people at the time. They were very useful. Milo, to me, was the number one most important of that era. But of all those, a lot of them have since ultimately kind of faded from relevance, either deliberately or, or unintentionally. You know, Lauren Southern and Mike Cernovich and others who have just faded or are just shadows of their former selves. Crowder's well, Cernovich is still out there. He just blocked everybody on Twitter, so nobody can see his tweets anymore. But he blocked sorry. everybody and started simping for Islam. Is that right? Like he now thinks Islam is great, unironically or something I, like that. I think so. And then of course Southern, you know, she took her two years off. We find out there's all this drama and infighting all these years later. But you know, sorry. She, she retired from the right and then comes out of retirement to continuously now take pot shots at the right, kind of like Ashton Birdie and a few others. Um, but either way, Crowder was one of those very few who managed to build up and maintain a stable sizable and respectable uh, pro profile for himself online and just going through his social media followers as you said yeah it's no exaggeration to say he has one of the biggest followings on the internet he has 1.1 million subscribers on rumble as you pointed out where his uh live election night coverage of the midterms did very very well 1.2 million on instagram 1.9 million on twitter 3 million on facebook and then here we go the big the big cheese 5.9 million on youtube and actually I, when i first looked at it he had 5.91 million prior to posting the first video that started this drama. Really? Where, he lost a few. Oh, actually, I was looking. I thought I saw that he gained a few. He went from 5.91 oh, okay. to 5.94. So in the span of oh, just under, just over three days, he gained 300,000 subscribers from this. Funny enough, though, all the comments on this most recent video are all concerned trolls saying, oh, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong. Probably sent over by Daily Wire. But point being, he has a substantial following, which... I think it's worth noting for an individual is respectable. Of course, there are plenty of brands like Daily Wire and Breitbart that have millions and millions upon millions of followers. But for a single person to have that kind of following, you only see that with a few others like Dan Bongino was another one where a single person is the name and is the brand. And he's built it up and maintained it all this time. He does well on the alternatives and he does well on the mainstream platforms. Of course, as has been documented, he's been banned and you know temporarily and demonetized from YouTube quite a few times, which has led to this kind of spat with X company, which he didn't name right away. And I actually did want to play a quick well, clip. Here. Oh, I, I just want to note real quick that mm -hmm. he, while he is his own brand, Steven Crowder is a brand. He has always been part of a bigger institution. Sure. And so 
the, the only like there's very few people who are actually independent. There's like Mark Dice anomaly and for better or worse. I mean, there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else, but sorry. Right. I, exactly. I don't mean to interrupt. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I just and to, to get back to the uh, the origins of this, because we've mentioned Daily Wire by name already, but he did not start off naming them right away. And I just want to play. This was the original clip that I saw that I think this was the one making the rounds on Twitter over a million views. This is a clip from a longer video he posted on YouTube simply titled. It's time to stop. Cue the filthy Frank Greenscreen reference here. It's time to stop! But for the first time, I have to say that I believe many of those in charge in the right-leaning media are actually at odds with what's best for you, the viewer, the customer, uh, and more importantly, the country. We here at Mug Club, we thought that we were all in this together, that we were fighting the, the, the media, entertainment, industrial complex. Um, we thought that we were all genuinely taking it to big tech. But too many of those in charge of the big conservative platforms um, are verifiably in bed with them. Big tech is in bed with big con. The people you thought, the people I thought, we're fighting for you. A lot of it has been a big con. Now, I'm specifically avoiding naming names or going after individuals uh, in this video because I genuinely hope that those I'm addressing, and you know who you are, have a change of heart. It's, it's never too late to do the right thing. Guys, this is a genuine plea. We can all do better. We can all do better. It doesn't have to be this way. And please, don't make me have to provide receipts. So that was the clip heard around the world where, of course, he suggests a particular company, doesn't name names, but says, of course, the fame, infamous social media phrase now, don't make me provide receipts. So I remember the speculation around this, Tom, on social media. Initially, people were wondering, who could he possibly be talking about? Could it be Fox News? Well, that's kind of too obvious. Very quickly, speculation arose that it was probably the Daily Wire because they are arguably the in terms of overall reach the and probably in terms of money the largest online conservative brand right now like even more so uh, maybe rivaled by Breitbart but certainly they're bigger than Daily Caller they're, they're bigger than a lot of these others and the piece of evidence for me that confirmed it is that um the Canadian uh Kermit professor himself Dr. Jordan B. Peterson um he shared that video from Crowder he shared the it wasn't just a retweet he shared the link to the YouTube video with the caption, quote, Stephen Crowder on the hypocrisy of the conservative legacy media with conservative in air quotes and then the dot, dot, dot after media. Within three hours, screenshots were posted. Within three hours, he deleted that tweet. <laughs> he didn't know it was about he, Daily Wire. He did not know until some, <laughs> he got the call from the man with the most perfect last name in the world telling him, delete that tweet right now, professor. Delete that tweet or we'll boil you, boil you like a lobster. So he deleted the tweet. And that just all but confirmed. Because, of course, who does Peterson work for now? The Daily Wire. Jeremy Boring's Daily Wire. And so I was I was being mean to Crowder earlier. But let's, mm. like, Daily Wire, if you want to talk about Trump bona fides, they Oof. are worse. I mean, yes. it was founded by Jeremy Boring, who I think is, like, a Hollywood producer. He's, like, a Hollywood guy. That's how come he wants to do movies. Yeah. And uh, he saw Ben Shapiro on, uh, uh, gosh, what what was it? Howard Stern or something? The I mean, Pier it was a raid. Piers Morgan. 
It, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Yeah, it was yeah, the gun debate right after Stern. the gun debate Worse right after the, yeah. Sandy Hook. Yep. It was Piers Morgan's second most popular show. Alex Jones was first, <laughs> and uh, so Jeremy Boring sees Shapiro on there, and Shapiro, the idea, the idea, and suddenly, and then the idea, and conservatism is, and and so he just thinks. Here's a copy of the Constitution. Wow. This kid is just so great at talking really fast, but he looks like a little dork. If only I could take this kid. And this is all public, by the way. Jeremy yes. Boring did an interview about this in 2017. It was a whole like, so, it, was, it was like a Variety or Hollywood Insider. Was, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. And and for those who want to find it maybe easier, go to BigLeaguePolitics.com and Pete Dabrowski wrote an article about it way back when. Good to know. So, so you know, it's public and. Ben Shapiro, I'm trying to talk him like now. I'm trying to talk like him now. The idea, <laughs> the idea. Suddenly, um, but Ben Shapiro, meanwhile, was not happy with his job at Breitbart News because Breitbart was going in the direction of becoming a pro-Trump uh, publication. Yes. Ben Shapiro, I believe, this is my personal opinion, invented a fake reason for himself to leave Breitbart and get a bunch of followers. So he was, he was doing exactly, in my opinion, what Crowder is being accused of doing. This bimbo, Michelle Fields, claimed oh. that Trump's security assaulted her, threw her down to the floor, beat the crap out of her. <laughs> she was like Nelson Mandela, and, man. She was just being perpetually <laughs> oppressed, man. She, and Joe Biden would go visit her while she was in jail. <laughs> it was later determined that this was all totally fake, by the way. She was a liar. She was one of the first anti-Trump women who lied. The security uh, camera ended, footage. Yeah, she was particularly blamed uh, Corey Lewandowski, the original campaign manager. Yes. Uh, but it was very, he very just firmly but politely pushed her out of the way when she was trying to crowd too close to Trump. And, and, and she's claiming that this is WWE. People are grabbing a chair. And, <laughs> and Shapiro, so she left Breitbart because Breitbart refused to stand by her because she was a liar. Yes. And Shapiro, the original white knight beta cuck, <laughs> follows her out the door. He's yep. like, I can't have this. I can't. We must respect women. Ah, believe all women. And he never got called on it. And he goes out and immediately starts a Daily Wire. So I believe, my personal opinion, he knew the Michelle Fields thing was fake. Michelle Fields is retired from politics. She's raising babies. Good for her. Yeah. But uh, Ben Shapiro, I think, saw that as his opportunity to leave Breitbart and take a bunch of readers from Breitbart yes. to his new startup that Jeremy Boring was funding or partnered with him on. That's right. Daily Wire was literally created out of um – feud over to Trump or not to Trump. That was, remember, I remember I was in college at the time. That was the big, the Ben Shapiro or Milo Yiannopoulos question when those were the two big stars at Breitbart. I, uh, that's how old I am. I remember back when those guys were frenemies when they would poke fun at each other on Twitter. <laughs> like, and it, you could tell it was in good fun, but at a certain point, it shifted into more hostile territory, and that was almost entirely due to Ben Shapiro. And yeah, he, he went they out. We were supposed to have a debate, but I mean, like, I, I love you, Milo. I think Ben was probably smart not to debate you. <laughs> my friends and I were getting ready. That was a meetup that was going to be in Los Angeles because I was going to school in Santa Barbara at the time. A whole bunch of us in the College of Republicans had bought the tickets. It was called the We Are Breitbart convention. That's what it was yeah, going to be. It was yeah. going to be in L.A., and the big headliner was for the first time ever. Ben Shapiro and Milo Yiannopoulos would be in person together and they would debate the Trump question. We were so pumped. And then days before the convention, that happens and they cancel the convention. And again, get back to Michelle Fields real quick, just as a reminder, because this isn't just a matter of Trump. She also previously made accusations of being beaten and assaulted, whatever, against Leonardo DiCaprio's bodyguards, Alan West's bodyguards, and the NYPD while she was at an Occupy Wall Street protest back in 2011. And all of them were proven false. <laughs> every single one. So she, she went after Leo. And I guess Leo determined uh, she was too old for his taste. And her bodyguards told him to, to piss off. And 
yeah, just an absolute disgrace. And like you said, yeah, she's not in politics anymore. She's not relevant anymore. But from the ashes of that feud rose. And I know we sound like historians, but this is all important to know because you have in it's a it's almost a false dichotomy because you have two sides of this that are both institutional, that were both anti-Trump in 2015, that both had to cope and seethe their way into being pro-Trump as the man got elected and went into office. It's it's. It's silly. It's not like any of these people are are Alex Jones or Eric Lindrum or Tom Papert. These are all titans of industry, and we're acting like anybody is struggling here. I don't know. Sorry. Exactly. No, no, no. That, that's a fair point. That's a fair one. Because at, at the end of the day, even if Trump didn't win, even if we got Hillary, they would all still be doing fine. They'd be making their fortunes as the resistance media. We're resisting the Democrats. It all would have been the same. And I think that's maybe a point that Crowder was getting at here. Because, again, to go back to this whole drama, so ultimately, yes, it was confirmed that it was the Daily Wire he was talking about, and they, they offered him $50 million for, what was it, four years? I think that was the contract, but he had to be in compliance with big tech's terms, including, you know, you're not allowed to say the 2020 election was stolen, you're not allowed to talk about the uh, the Chinese coronavirus, the Kung flu originating from a, well, a lab in Wuhan, like all, all those rules you would have but- to submit to. You have to also realize that he was – he wasn't just going to have a YouTube show under this contract. He, he Crowder currently has a YouTube show where he abides by all those terms. But then he was – he also does – I think they call it the, the piss YouTube off segment. And, <laughs> and well, and I guess I'm speaking in present tense, but this is two weeks ago when he was still at The Blaze. Yeah. Um, and that would air exclusively on The Blaze. I used to be a subscriber before they fired Gavin McInnes. Um, Ooh, I remember network. those days. But uh, – so it, he that goes exclusively on the blaze. There, it's not going to get demonetized. They will punish you for off-platform behavior if they determine it's offensive enough, as with Alex Jones confronting Oliver Darcy in Congress back when. But in all likelihood, you're not going to run afoul if it's behind a paywall. And so. I don't understand this Crowder thing because it's exactly the same rules that he's working under now. Um, That's one criticism that I have. Another thing that's important to look at is we're all on big tech to some degree, and we all have to be cucks to big tech. I was a big pusher in uh, twenty early 2017 of let's get on alt media, let's get on alt tech. Nobody really listened. And and not that I have the cachet to push this, but – when you now have this situation that everybody is still dependent on big tech, we are, what is this, 2023? So five years after Alex Jones was banned, I don't see how any company could be expected to depend on the revenue, lose the revenue, and then still pay as though you have the revenue, which is what Crowder, I think, wants Daily Wire to do. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm willing to understand the argument that, yes, we all do still have to cope with big tech being the big thing right now, that we can't all have. I mean, there are exceptions in conservative alternative uh, social media that are really successful, Rumble being the big one. Rumble, as certainly due to the fact that it's a video sharing platform, is generating significantly more traffic than something like a parlor or a gab or anything else. And I was recently reminded, by the way, because I told somebody who was who kind of knows a lot about this industry. I was talking to another alt tech guy and uh, and he uh, and I said, well, yeah, but if you don't have 
big tech paying you, you probably can't afford the $50 million. That's a lot of money. And then he points out, well, Rumble said they could because they want, they made a bid to get Joe Rogan. Who knows if they were being serious or not, but Rumble, uh, you know, claims that they do have that kind of money. But generally speaking, I don't know anybody in the alt media who has that kind of money. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, very few exceptions, you know, again, unless you, you get investment. I think Peter Thiel did invest some in Rumble, which obviously he's got plenty of money to throw around. But yeah, Rumble, again, has done very well for itself, not just as an alternative. It's generated significant amounts of traffic and revenue that put it among like the top, like, I think I had seen it was among like the top 500 websites in the world, possibly. I mean, maybe I was mistaken about that, but it is, it's respectable in its own right. So things like that. And Crowder, as you mentioned, he went to rumble when YouTube banned him. The most recent suspension was right during the midterm elections. So he did his midterm elections coverage on rumble and got what, like 70,000 live viewers, which is impressive. That's those are big by YouTube numbers. So, uh, but then you contrast, that with say, for example, Tom, if neither of us knows then maybe that answers the question. Are any of the people from Daily Wire on Rumble or are they sticking with YouTube? I think some of them are on there because their content strategy is directing people toward the paywall. Right. And 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 that's I just view it as that's probably the smarter way to go. But if you want, I, I, yes, the short answer is yes. I think they're on there, but I don't think it's their primary shtick. But they may even have deals with Rumble. Rumble will pay you to, if you're a big conservative to go on their platform. That is true. That is true. But as, as we hinted at before, yes, Daily Wire is in good with big tech. It was reported a while back, actually, that, uh, of course, the biggest social media platform they have, it's not even YouTube. It's Facebook. Facebook. They are big on Facebook. And it, I, I, it's either Ben Shapiro's page or the Daily Wire page. It's one of those two. But, but it's always a Daily Wire article. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there was a report a while back that, of course, we all know about shadow banning. Jacob and I just did a long take, a deep dive last week into the Twitter files and the art of shadow banning. The art. I couldn't have thought of a better word. The practice of shadow banning, which, of course, is on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. But in fact, a report came out a while ago showing that one of the very few conservative Facebook accounts, Facebook pages that was being shadow boosted, being artificially promoted by Facebook, even more so beyond its usual reach, was the Daily Wire. So why do you think that is? Would they, would they really promote something like the Daily Wire if the Daily Wire was going to challenge the status quo on big tech and the culture war and President Trump and what have you? Of course not. They're not shadow boosting Breitbart. You know, they're not shadow boosting anything from Trump himself. They're going to shadow boost Daily Wire because, as we mentioned before, if you're going to talk about who is a never-Trumper, Stephen Crowder, and again, since you remember Tom, of course, Stephen Crowder's guy Crowder came Cruz. on board much faster than yes, Ben did. Exactly. As we all remember, this, as I said, way back in, I believe it was episode 10, the first solo episode I did, where I basically just delved into my political history from high school up through college, my transition, my political evolution— a key part of that was Ben Shapiro, who I used to be a fan of. I used to listen to his podcast on a daily basis. I, I met him several times, worked with him on several events, got to know a lot of Daily Wire people. The veil was pulled from my eyes, courtesy of the 2016 election, when Ben Shapiro, in the final days of the campaign, is saying infamously, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are basically the same people, folks. There's no difference between them. You might as well not even bother voting at the top of the ticket. I won't be voting at the top of the ticket this year, folks. There's no difference between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And when he was throwing that out there, in this crucial election to say there's no distinction between someone like Trump and someone like Hillary, I've got nothing for you. Again, at least Crowder and others who were not for Trump originally, like you know Sheldon Adelson, uh, Dennis Prager, and others who were not for Trump at first, they saw the writing on the wall and said, all right, he wasn't our first guy, but he is our guy now. We've got to support him. Shapiro never did that. 
So well, and I will say that after the election, both Shapiro and Boring put out little things explaining why they're now pro-Trump, and mm -hmm. they get really mad at you, the Daily Wire fan base, if you don't acknowledge that they did acknowledge why they weren't pro-Trump, and they are now. They so we'll acknowledge that they acknowledged it. But as if that's supposed to excuse, you know, the time of the one video that's been making the rounds in the midst of all this madness is the one where Shapiro, again, during the election, once Trump was the nominee, was trying to say, Donald Trump is a fake Christian. If you're a Christian and you consider voting for Donald Trump, then, then you're falling for a fraud. Like basically saying like, oh, because he, he's a billionaire playboy who has been divorced. You know, somehow Christians shouldn't support him. I mean, again, remind me the last president, uh, Tom, my man, do you know? That there was one president in American history before Trump who was divorced before entering office. Do you know who that was? Was it Teddy Roosevelt? It was not. No, Teddy Roosevelt's first oh. wife died, actually, very tragically. In oh, yeah, that's right. that's right. But no. Should have known that. Same day as his mom. It's okay. It's, it's, it is a Republican. It is someone that Republicans love to idolize. Oh, Reagan was probably Ronald divorced. Reagan was divorced. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. But of course, you never hear, oh, he was an actor. He was a celebrity. He was divorced. He is not a conservative. No, no, no. They they make him out to be a saint now. So such flimsy, ridiculous arguments that Shapiro made for why you shouldn't vote for Donald Trump. He was actively campaigning against Trump. He was part of the National Review, infamous no, and, and I have some evidence I just gathered, by the way. What When was the convention in 2016? That was... Uh, that was July, correct? I want to say July, yes. So August 1st of 2016, Jeremy Boring said in an email that was obtained by Amanda Milius, uh, he was still describing Daily Wire as a broadly anti-Trump publication. You can find that article on ValiantNews.com. So that's that's after Trump was the nominee, and it's still a broadly anti-Trump publication, which I guess, again, they claim that they didn't make their, their transition until after the general election occurred, in which case they were useless. They were useless from exactly. July until November of 2016, a critical year. They did. They sat on their hands. Exactly. Far too little, far too late. We got it. We'll have the link to that article in the description below. Thanks for that, Tom. And God bless Amanda Milius as well for doing that. She does fantastic work. She's currently you know, waging war on the RNC right now. She, she's great. Um, but yeah, they are anti-Trump. And another counter argument I hear in favor of the Daily Wire from friends of mine is, okay, well, even if you don't like Shapiro, because Shapiro obviously is the figurehead of the company it's it's his company he found i mean jeremy boring founded it but shapiro is the Which is big ironic there. exactly he, everybody thinks that but it's like I, I bet shapiro could get fired tomorrow I, I i bet you he has zero pull this is all my opinion and belief but i bet you that it, back when shapiro it was announced that he is no longer the editor-in-chief and he is now editor emeritus That's i bet right. that was I think that was a substantial change because then all of a sudden he wasn't the face of Daily Wire anymore. This old man, Jeremy Boring, is the new cool hip guy that we're all supposed to know who he is and care about what he has to say. So I believe that Jeremy – and I've heard rumors, by the way, from people who – or second or third hand rumors. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I've heard that Jeremy Boring makes people call him king. <laughs> I believe it. You know what? I mean, the man, again, as I said before, that is a man with the most perfect last name in the world. I mean, his name is literally boring. What more? But it's spelled say? boring as though he's boring into your brain, which oh, also is perfect. <laughs> it really is perfect. But I, there was a period of time, Tom, not too long ago, when I, whenever I would go on YouTube or Facebook or anywhere, and I said to myself, I swear to God, if I see one more sponsored advertisement for Jeremy's Razors, I'm going to pick up a razor and... 
redacted. <laughs> and he made so oh, much money. So, so much money, these but, people. But that between that and yeah, like you said, the, the shift into movies. It's it's a believable theory at this point that boring is probably more behind the Daily Wire shift into movie making than Shapiro is. But you look and the quality of their I movies. I don't think Shapiro is a businessman. I don't think Shapiro wants to be making these business decisions. I think he wants to do his show and he's realized that he doesn't even have to write articles anymore because he can just <laughs> make millions of dollars to read ad reads. Do, to, do, yeah. do reads for uh, Birch Gold at the March for Life. I'll never forget that when he just he went to the March for Life and literally just did an episode of his show from the stage to all these cheering people in the freezing cold. He's all bundled up nicely on the warm stage with heaters all around him and he's reading Birch Gold reads. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. They invite him to do a speech for the March for Life and he says, well, I, this is when I do my podcast. So I can do my podcast and we can do that live and I'll sit at my and I'll sit at my thing and I'll have my laptop and it'll be I'll have heaters and it'll be great. And they said yes. That's oh. just it. They said yes. By the way, you, you, you ever miss Michael Savage, radio listeners? You ever miss listening to him on the radio? You know who that? You know why he's gone, right? Ben Shapiro got his place. They they replaced oh. Michael Savage, who is still very much alive and has a very successful podcast. They replaced him with Ben Shapiro, who has this incredibly grating voice, but for some reason he gets to be on radio. Makes no sense. Yeah, you know who loves the unborn babies, folks? You know who loves protecting the unborn? Birch Gold. Birch Gold. Like, just, 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 <laughs> oh, so bad. But. And yeah, they're making these movies that are just memes, honestly. They made their first ever movie is from a conservative company, which presumably means pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment. Their first movie is about a school shooting. Like, yeah, really? that's that's a great message, folks. Yeah, I don't that's... even follow them that closely. I mean, but I but we have to acknowledge that they do some good things. Like, they what do... is a woman changed the Th culture? That's fantastic. That that is... I don't even like Matt, Matt Walsh that much, <laughs> but you know, he does important things. <laughs> I, I I love that. You know, the 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 tone in your voice as you acknowledge <laughs> you do good things. That's exactly how I feel, my dude. Trust me. Because uh, yeah, back to the point. I, we keep getting off track here, but that's okay because that's how these kinds of episodes roll. The arguments I hear from my friends in defense of Daily Wire is okay. Even if you don't like Ben Shapiro or Jeremy Boring, they have so many cool people there. They've got Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, Michael Knowles, Candace Owens, they got Jordan Peterson, and I'm like, yeah, those are people I like. Matt Walsh, of course, famously, over the course of the events of 20, became so much more violently based as a result of everything that's happened. He is now full-blown. He will say the edgiest stuff about trannies and about BLM, and he's great. I love it. Andrew Clavin is great. Uh, I do like Candace Owens a lot. I've always liked her. I, I remember back, actually, I wrote an article for American Greatness way back when, when she got into a big argument with uh, Ben Shapiro on Twitter before she worked for Daily Wire over Trump having Kanye and Kim Kardashian in the Oval Office. And Shapiro was all like, ah, this is just a photo op. This is pathetic. You know, who, wh why? what is he doing having celebrities in the Oval Office? And Candace Owens is like, okay, first off, how many presidents have celebrities in the Oval Office? It's a regular thing. But also, this is being done for the purpose of achieving a major policy change in the form of criminal justice reform. Like, you're really going to sit here and, you know, because you hate Trump so much, you're going to bash him and, and whine and complain about him having them in the Oval Office. And she basically, by the end of it all, I, I'll take up that article and put it in the description. She ultimately forced Shapiro to change his mind and to back off a little bit and basically say, ah, okay, well, fine. It was more than just a photo op. I guess some good things came out of it. Like, she basically beat him in an argument on Twitter, which never happens. So, from conservatives. So, I like Candace Owens a lot. And Jordan Peterson, again, who cropped up in that same general era Stephen Crowder did, he also absolutely had a very important role to play, certainly uh, being north of the border. Um, but then I would simply counter with, okay, first off, again, Shapiro is the head guy there. He, he's their top personality over all these others. But secondly, you look at these people they get, especially like Candace Owens and, and Jordan B. Peterson, and when they acquire them, they basically buy them and they put them into a contract. You know, they, they poached uh, Candace Owens from PragerU and Jordan Peterson, of course, was independent before this. He's never really worked with a big media company before. They put them out of these contracts 
and they turn them into company men. They basically turn them into branding machines. Jordan Peterson now, if you watch the content of his videos, Daily Wire, he comes across as more of a gimmick than anything else. Like he's reading a teleprompter. He's reading talking points. He doesn't feel as freestyle as himself making lobster jokes and talking that Kermit the Frog voice as he did in his lectures that got him famous. So it, it basically taking these, these important intellectual or political commentators and turning them into, you know, company talking point machines, basically. And their argument would be, I guess, playing devil's advocate, as I have been this through this entire discourse, I feel like Daily Wire would say, hey, we're paying Jordan Peterson X million dollars a year. And Jordan Peterson, for all his good work, he does seem to be a little bit money motivated. I remember reading this old uh, answer he wrote on Quora talking about how he was making like I this may not be the correct number and maybe this is all you know it's not really his account or whatever but I think he was talking about making like 15 grand a month giving advice to young men on Quora and then of course I believe didn't he in the beginning wasn't he like that was the Cadillac package if you're a super Jordan B Peterson guy you can like buy his counseling services for a small fortune maybe I'm making that up but I, so this is a guy who is a little bit – I've seen his house. He collects Soviet art. I mean that's not inexpensive. <laughs> so uh, it's a, he's a, he has nice tastes. He likes nice things. And Daily Wire probably said they'd pay him $25 million or over four years or whatever. And he probably said, well, gee, that's more than I'll ever make. And he did it. So I – I don't know. I see both sides. And Jordan B. Peterson is very transgressive, but he knows when to stay within the lines when he's on uh, uh, the social media that makes him money. We now know from the Daily Wire contract that they don't want, uh, quote unquote, ownership of your Instagram or Twitter. And where is Jordan B. Peterson until Elon bought it? Where was he always running into trouble? It was on Twitter. It, yes. it wasn't on his other platforms. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, again, good counterpoints there. But then we get, and this is all just kind of the prelude. This is the prologue to all the drama with Steven Crowder, the Daily Wire, because this was just the initial first video, which then <laughs> led to the eventual unearthing of the fact that he was talking about Daily Wire, whether it was Jordan Peterson deleting that tweet or whatever. Somehow the, the numbers came out. Yeah, again, Daily Wire offered him a $50 million contract for four years, but he had to basically kowtow to, you know, big tech policies on disinformation and whatnot. So then he went ahead and posted a second video, the first one was titled, you know, Filthy Frank reference, It's Time to Stop. The second video was titled, I Didn't, I didn't want, want to, to Do, do this. this. And I love, can I say, I love the opening of this video. I'm just going to play this real quick. This is from his studio. He looks at the camera with this smug little grin on, and he does this. They don't get deals that... They should be wage slaves for a little bit. Come over and make a salary and grow their brand. <laughs> So he's sitting in his studio with his, at his desk there. He has this talk boy on the uh, on the desk in front of him, this old recording. It was, from, like, that it was what Kevin used in Home Alone 2. That's how old this thing is. And he's playing the tape back and rewinding it. That's a call uh, he recorded with uh, Jeremy Boring, the CEO of Daily Wire. And uh, it's just hilarious. Now, of course, as a result a nice of that. nice touch. A very nice <laughs> touch. But, of course, it's got that really, that was kicking the hornet's nest if ever I've seen one. After that, all of them, Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Candace Owens, the, the knives came out for Steven Crowder. It's literally like that John Wick poster where a million different guns are pointed at him all at once and he's just in the middle and just like not caring in the slightest. They all went after him on Twitter. The talking points came out. Oh, it's just about money. He's just greedy. Oh, it's he's vile. betraying his friends. It's vile that he recorded his friends privately, which I mean, I, 
first off, he makes it clear in this video, and again, post the video in the link in the description below. It's not just about the money for it's not about the money. He's he says at least it's about the principle of basically kowtowing to big tech and being willing to be cozy with them and make these deals with them. Again, the shadow boosting on Facebook and whatnot that goes against everything you're talking about. You claim to your audiences will fight against big tech as you turn around and, you know, take these these handouts from big tech. But even the other things like, OK, recording the phone call. I just got to say, I'm sorry. I get I get it. Yeah, generally, you don't want to do that. And allegedly, he is friends with Jeremy Boring. I don't know the full extent of their friendship, what have you, or if this really was more. He never really knew Boring, but now they're talking via business negotiations. But if your problem is with recording someone without their knowledge, um, would Project Veritas have a career, Tom? Like, no. I mean, to be fair, I try not to. I I don't think I record my friends. I record a lot of phone calls. But sure, sure. I, because I'm an, a journalist. And anytime I talk to some left wing person, I'm not going to take the risk that they're going to later say they didn't tell me what they said they said uh, or what they did say. Uh, but I, I, I feel like Crowder is, is uh, uh, not being entirely forthright with us here because – that we now know that there's a timeline involved. Mm -hmm. We now know that they started having preliminary discussions. I believe their claim is in October, but they have started having preliminary conversations in October. These conversations quickly hit a brick wall <laughs> by November and they didn't hear anything from Crowder. Crowder officially leaves the blaze. I, I believe in December and then is then they get the phone call and I'm sitting here thinking maybe Crowder has such an ego I've known and you know and ego Trump says an ego is a very good thing to have <laughs> but maybe he has such an ego that he's just sitting there thinking I can't believe they're not calling me back they said they're not going to I thought that was a negotiating tactic I'm gonna call them maybe <laughs> that's what it is or maybe Crowder said hey I'm I'm getting a really raw deal. Uh, because Jeremy Boring also revealed or alleged that Crowder does not own the mug club. He doesn't own his own email list. And so mm. what does Crowder own about his brand? Does he own Change My Mind or does CRTV The Blaze own that? I mean, what? how how diff how tenuous is the situation? So if you're Crowder and you're sitting here thinking, I've been a company man my whole life. I've been uh, working for Glenn Beck, working for Mark Levin, working for all these people. I could go work for Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring and make a uh, $13 million a year, probably cost him $3 million a year in overhead. So 10, nine, $10 million a year. He could do that. Or what if he could employ some Machiavellian strategy to capitalize off leaving the blaze, capitalize off the well-known and I believe merited animosity for the daily wire and basically torch both of these publications, institutions at once while building back up the mug club, baby. Go to stopbigcon.com and give me your email address right now. Uh, yeah, that, that certainly does make sense. Because, yeah, as you pointed out, I, I do realize now, yeah, he's always been with companies. You mentioned CRTV, which actually, remember, Tom, I'll never forget this. That was There was that merger between CRTV and The Blaze. I know they were in yep. negotiations. And at the time, The Blaze was on the decline. Blaze was just going straight down oh, yeah, in their they finances. Were going down. And CRTV was on the rise. They had Gavin McGinnis and Michelle Malkin. They were led by Mark Levin. They had Crowder. But then I don't know how, who negotiated that deal. To quote our favorite president, this may be one of the worst deals in the history of deals because somehow the deal ended with Blaze, the declining one, completely swallowing up CRTV. The CRTV brand was killed off and it just became the Blaze, like Blaze Media. 
They took all of them. They fired Gavin McGinnis on day one. Uh, Michelle Malkin quit right after that in protest. And well, and she quit. I, I've heard now. I've learned that Michelle quit because they were uh, doing things that she didn't. They didn't consult with her on major things. This is what I've heard. Like the merger, they just did that one day, and then and she owned part of the company. She wasn't just a host. She owned part of CRTV, and she's Ooh. like, okay, you guys are making major business decisions without consulting me. I'm not working here. She's rich, you know. Her her husband is good in real estate. They own like a pickleball company. Like she doesn't need this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But I just remember thinking that was such a bad deal. I don't know what, you know, lawyers or negotiators Glenn Beck had on his side of versus Mark Levin. But either way, so they became the Blaze Media, which has become a more respectable uh, conservative media empire. Now they have these a very broad umbrella of shows that operate under the Blaze, but not like strictly not like Fox News style. Like they are kind of free to do their own thing. Steven Crowder was one of them. Uh, they had that very successful podcast, You Are Here, with Elijah Schaefer and Sidney Watson until, of course, a whole other level of e-drama led to that podcast dying within less than a year after launching. A true tragedy because it had potential. Um, but yeah, The Blaze, so The Blaze did well, and Crowder was very much the biggest—I mean, Glenn Beck is the Ben Shapiro of The Blaze. He's the big cheese there, but Crowder was their biggest, most popular personality by far. So yeah, Crowder realizes he has a chance to stake out a claim for himself as an independent man, but— to, I, I see your arguments there that maybe this is just a big publicity stunt for Crowder to try to, you know, build up a brand off of being I'm because, going against Big Con. But well, and I come back to what is the difference? What he didn't like the terms on the sheets. So and Boring says that he was much more willing to negotiate than Crowder says. Who knows who's telling the truth? Mm -hmm. Maybe Boring was totally unwilling to negotiate. It sounds like Crowder was totally unwilling to negotiate. But it to me, I what is the difference? You're going from the blaze, which if you want to get into anti-Trump, Glenn Beck oh. cried on live television like nine times because he was so histrionic about the possibility of yes. Trump winning and Ted Cruz losing. Their whole movement was priesthood is rising. They were convinced that there's some sort of Norman Evangel Mormon, sorry, Mormon evangelical alliance to take on the world. I mean, it was utterly bizarre. And I don't know what Glenn Beck's come to Jesus was. I do kind of know that Jeremy Boring and Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro all had a, okay, here's why I'm pro-Trump now. Glenn Beck went from crying on the air about Trump to being, I own the blaze now and everybody loves me. It Very bizarre. Very it's, bizarre. That's true. Yeah. Glenn Beck never really had a come to Trump moment. You know, he, of course, infamously, he started up a, a friendship, a BFF relationship with Samantha B, this far left, you know, feminist comedian mm -hmm. hack who hates Trump. And fame, infamously, he buried his face in a bowl of Cheetos in order to like yeah. own Trump, to like own the orange man or something, I guess. So yeah, he really is among the absolute worst of the never Trumpers. And then, yeah, he never has. And come he out does Trump. good work now. I think he's a good interviewer. You know, hot, the conspiracy theory is Glenn Beck only even exists because Fox News was intimidated by Alex Jones and wanted somebody to compete with him in the ratings. But <laughs> I, whatever. Um, Glenn Beck did have but, a very Alex Jones type personality when he was on Fox News. I do remember that. Oh yeah, with his whiteboards and the Federal Reserve, and it was it was right out of Jones and. So I, I my point is the Blaze probably had similar. We I in fact I have good evidence of this because Elijah Schaefer after he was fired or left the Blaze, mm -hmm. however it wound up happening, he went and did an interview uh, with Censored TV Gavin McInnes, and oh, he yeah. said that a, after he got demonetized following January six, he it. His all I, this is a paraphrase quote, but he said something along the lines of, you know, I had a job, but I didn't have any money coming in. 
And so the Blaze was still employing him, but they were probably keeping him on like a $1,500 a month retainer. And then he had no other revs coming in because he had no monetization. I think that this is very common in the industry. And I don't think that the Blaze, the Blaze is probably a lot less generous to Steven than Daily Wire was because the Blaze probably signed their contract four years ago. That is a good point. Again, to remind me again, just as we were saying, you know, Steven Crowder versus Ben Shapiro, who's more anti-Trump? Glenn Beck comes along and just says, hold my Cheetos. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so that brings me to the next point I wanted to ask. So let's let's go ahead and assume then this is just a big publicity stunt by Steven Crowder. It may be. Who knows? At this point, I genuinely don't know. I came into this being pro-Crowder purely by virtue of being anti-Shapiro. But now, maybe maybe he does have more nefarious purposes. But at the Are end you of the Henry day, Kissinger yet? Ugh, can't they both lose? Can they both lose? But at this point, could the biggest loss here then be the loss of the message? Because even if this is a stunt by Crowder, is he wrong in saying that major conservative media outlets are largely in bed with big tech? I think the answer is no. I think we can both agree that absolutely is a real phenomenon, right? Uh, well, yeah. It's different, though. It's not like... Like Daily Wire is not necessarily the jackboots for big tech. It's big tech. Facebook is being paid, I believe, tens of millions of dollars, but maybe it's just low, like five, seven millions of dollars a year by face by Daily Wire to promote their pages and promote their articles. And then mm. Daily Wire every single month. Pretty much. Maybe it's changed. I haven't done the latest dates. I, last time I looked was mid last year. But Daily Wire for basically 18, 24 months has been the number one publisher on Facebook month over month over month over month mm -hmm. over month. When was the last time one of their people got banned from Twitter? Maybe it's because they're pay or not Twitter. I'm sorry, YouTube. Maybe it's because they're paying YouTube. Maybe it's because they're good players. Whatever it is, they certainly don't have to worry about big tech the way we do, right. which I would also. But I don't think that it's like they're enforcers for big tech. I just think that they pay big tech a lot of money, they have lots of lawyers, and they built their entire thing as being anti-Trump, so you can't just ban them as being pro-Trump like they do everybody else. I still think, though, here's the question. Daily Wire is kind of right to protect themselves because if they're bringing, like, how do you pay somebody $50 million if they've been demonetized? Daily Wire, their biggest, my biggest criticism would be, why do they live or why do they operate under this paradigm where being monetized on social media is so important. And it's obviously because they've never been demonetized. I'm building an entire life for myself where hopefully in five years we're not going to be dependent on big tech. You can go to Spreely.com, Spreely.tv, Spreely.video. You can learn a little bit about what we're doing. But that's because I've been banned. I've been demonetized. I've had the bad things happen to me. I don't think Daily Wire ever has. And so, the, but the thing is, nobody in this business who is doing an independent, who doesn't get paid by Google, who doesn't get paid by big tech in some way, I don't think anybody can afford 50 million. So if you want the 50 million, and then the Daily Wire alleges that Steven Crowder actually wanted 30 million a year or something like that. Is that correct? I think that was correct. 30 million a year. So what is that? Six, 120, 12, 120 million. 120 million? Yeah, he wanted Jeez. 120 million. <laughs> That's depressing. Um, and so... So if you want the 120 million, I'm afraid you have to work in big tech. There just isn't the money in the alt tech yet. I mean, I think Rumble is a losing proposition right now because I don't see how you can make money having 70,000 people tuning in. I think that eats at your bandwidth and you're in the poorhouse. And I think that they have funders. I think they have uh, people who give them money. 
But I don't think that even they could afford Steven Crowder for $120 million. I don't think anybody can. I don't think anybody right. short of Fox News or Daily Wire can. That's a good point. Yeah. So it comes down to, I mean, two things, of course, that being kind of a microcosm of the elites who pre do not practice what they preach because they live, you know, like the Hollywood celebrities who have great big walls and gates and security cameras and uh, armed guard dogs, you know, ready to kill any intruder, but they turn around and say they support open borders, you know, and, and it's kind of similar thing here. You have types like the Daily Wire who say they're against big tech, and yet they very much depend on big tech. They don't practice what they preach in terms of going all in on alternatives. Can you imagine if Daily Wire put uh, 50 million or put 120 million into something like Rumble or, or Gab or BitChute or any of these others to help like boost it, to improve their servers and, and bandwidth and whatnot? It could go See, very I don't far. think that's I don't think that's the solution. I don't think just like charity and doing all I if Daily Wire I I, this is a controversy. I hate them, <laughs> just to be clear. I've never watched any of their content. Uh, Candace Owens has always annoyed me. I don't, I'm not even going to be nice like you were. Ooh. Matt Walsh used to be cool in 2012 when he was a Christian. Now I don't even, he steals all my talking points. Like, <gasps> no, I don't like any of these people. They Ouch. are all kind of scumbags to me. But at the same time, if their company wants to exist in the safe conservative niche, like, uh, who am I? Who is Steven Crowder? Who is anybody to be like, you're running your business in an immoral fashion? How dare you? I just, that's not who, I think that's silly. I I, I guess maybe it's because I've been self-employed for so long. And the idea of somebody just coming up to me and being like, you're not doing enough to help my Piccadillo project. It's like, screw you. <laughs> Get out of my face. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that 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 is a good point. Again, they don't know what it's like because they have not been there. I have been banned personally on Twitter. My personal account was banned after January 6th. And of course, we here at The Right Take, we have had multiple videos removed by YouTube. Um, mostly, mostly for you know hate speech or community guidelines, or whatever, because we dare to say like, oh, you know, the 2020 election isn't legitimate. Which, spoiler alert, it was not legitimate. So we've had several strikes. We've come very close to getting permanently banned on YouTube, and and we're a tiny little channel, right? We don't have thousands of subscribers. We have like what 50 subscribers on YouTube, and they're already coming after us with that ban hammer. So. They, of course, yeah, these people certainly will never get it. They need big tech and big tech to a certain extent in that because this is all business decision. This is where it comes down to, say, you know, running a business, the fine line between running a business and pushing a political message. You can be good businessmen and do deals with the devil like they are, or you can be political and get banned from every single platform for saying your message. So can you can't be both. You there has to be some amount of of. I mean, I hate to say it, but you're kind of bending your morals to exist in society at this point. Unless you're going to go full Ted Kaczynski and move <laughs> to the woods, you have to. It's true. Don't I'm go, sorry. Don't go, full, don't go full Ted Kaczynski. Go maybe 50% Ted Kaczynski. Stop at the part don't where you're in any. the cabin in Montana That's... and just leave it there. Leave the universities yeah. and the airlines alone. Yeah, don't be sending any mail out there. Email only. Um, <laughs> they, they, got, they got internet now. But... No, it's true. There is no way you can you can no person is 100 percent moral. It's a Christian thing at this point. Let he who is without sin, because, mm -hmm. again, Crowder, I don't know how much money he's been making at the blaze. I would assume they've been paying him rather well, probably not as good as the Daily Wire gig, but he's been getting paid. And he's been making that deal with the devil every single time he shows up and works because he's on YouTube. That's where he probably gets the majority of his views. He's working for a man who depends on YouTube to pay his employee. I mean, I 
I feel like it's opportunistic. I feel like we're splitting hairs. If if this was me, Tom Pappert, a guy who has never worked for one of these big companies, a guy who has been banned, demonetized, lied about, Unicorn Riot got me banned from Discord because oh they God. said I'm a militia member. I lived the time, lived in a two-bedroom apartment in the middle of downtown Wichita, Kansas. I can say this because I finally moved. I lived at the corner of Rioting Avenue and Black Lives Matter protester Parkway. (laughs) The idea that I was a militia member was the most comical thing at the time. I would have been dragged out of my apartment and killed. So I've been, there's been all kinds of slander and insane things about me. And if I were to, if I got a big contract from the Daily Wire and and then I were to make these claims, maybe it would be a little bit better. Even you, Eric, because you've been banned and you're just a normal person. But when it's Crowder, a guy who has basically worked for Con Inc. as long as I've known him, now all of a sudden he's going to be the stop the con guy? Go give him your email and wait and see how long it takes before he sends you an advertisement. That, that, <laughs> be wary of anybody and everybody who asks for your emails, guys. That's number one. <laughs> number two, what another throwback reminding me that Unicorn Riot exists. It's fitting that they're named Unicorn Riot. They can take that. I would tell them what they could do with that unicorn horn, but they'd probably enjoy it. Uh, seriously, it's, it's <laughs> terrible people, terrible people. And yes, Tom has been through the thick of it. We've been through the thick of it. And that brings me again to the, I guess, probably the last most important question here. With this issue, again, of big tech being the name of the game right now, if you want to make money versus these alternatives that have some promise here and there. There's Again, Rumble is not YouTube. You know, Gab is not Twitter, but they exist and they have their roles. Tom, I don't think we've ever asked you this on the right take before, and I'm sure you have an opinion on this. What is your stance on that question, uh, on this, the, the, the big tech question, this, the big tech social media segregation question? Do we bite the bullet, pinch our nose, and throw in our lot with big tech to make money and use that platform to per- push our message as best we can against them? Or do we self-segregate into the alternatives? Do we practice what we preach and go to rumble and gab and bitch shoot and parlor and, and true well, you're social talking device. to a guy who has become like this weird person who i'm on spreely and you go to valiant news and our mm-hmm. website our videos are embedded on by spreely.video not rumble not youtube not any of this crap i want to control everything <laughs> i i am a nazi I, I am now. Oh, oh, oh. I am now. Disavow. 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 I will. I will control every piece of the puzzle. Hey, um, what's that on your lip? Wipe, there's a little black thing on your lip under your nose. You need to wipe that off. But but no. Okay. Funny, so, funny, funny. so fair uh, enough. But but at the same time. But hold on. But hold on. Because you got to have both. You got to have both. Because ha- nobody knows what a Spreely is. We're still looking for somebody more famous than me to tell the world what a Spreely is. And when we get that person, we're, that person needs to be like on YouTube. Frankly. Steven Crowder's model is the one that everybody should be following. Do an hour on big tech, then do an hour, be like, all right, everybody, you got five minutes. We're going to go over. We're going to flip the switch. We're going to go. We're going to flip the switch. Tim Pool does the same thing. All these people have the solution. It requires a big team. And that's what's infuriating, because if we could do that, it's freely. Uh, we would be right where these people are. So it needs a big team. But I think you got to do a little bit of both. I think you have to be on the big ones. You just, you, you, it's not 2016 anymore, and I hate it. I miss mm-hmm. 2016 every day. So I miss when I. we could make fun of people and we could laugh and we could have fun. But you've got to use these platforms where billions of people are 
as long as you can to get them onto these other platforms, whether it's Spreely or Rumble or uh, Locals or the Daily Wire back it. I don't know what they call it. Daily Wire Plus, I think, or mm-hmm. Blaze TV Premium or whatever. I don't know what they call these things, but they all got the paywalls. That, yeah. And it's sad because it's almost like Steven Crowder. Let's say he's not Machiavelli. Let's say he's just completely honest in all this. That means that he is kind of like a vestige from a period of the internet that I believe is dead. And that period of the internet was when you could fire up a webcam and you could get 15, 20, 30,000 people watching and you would get paid for it. That doesn't exist anymore. It does. It's not just in this sector to quote some people it's all over. Dr. Disrespect got banned from Twitch because he made too much money, I believe. And now he's on YouTube where he can't even use proximity chat on his favorite video games because somebody else might say something that then would get him banned. There, you can't, the internet is not what it was five years ago. I don't think that you can have 30, 40, 50,000 people watching you live and just expect to make money anymore. And it's it's messed up, by the way. It, yeah. Last point. If you want to look at the who is making all the money in big tech, it ain't the people making the content. Even Daily Wire. When they make when they're getting paid all this from big tech, they should be getting paid much, 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 much more. If you look at traditional broadcasting where you have all of these legacy costs of transmitters and satellites and satellite dishes and and, and STL connections, and you gotta have a master control operator, they can pay their talent much better than Facebook is paying its talent. Facebook doesn't have all this overhead. Facebook is spending all its money, uh, I believe, stealing elections with drop boxes. Yeah, that's so much of what you said there is so much to unpack. It's so true in, in the painful way, but it is true nonetheless. So like, yeah, you look at YouTube, you know that back when YouTube, as a perfect example, when it got started back in 2005, 2006, and you had these these goofballs just making videos in their room, in their bedroom, like, you know, like Smosh or whatever, back when there was just a couple of teenagers just goofing around. And now, even with, you know, there's still, of course, are individual content creators, but most of them are have become brands. They have merch stores and they they sign with some kind of company or talent agency or something. And of course, you've got all the Vivo channels. You got the number one channel on YouTube right now is T Series, which is an Indian music brand. Like it's it's <laughs> it's so bad. It, you're right. It's not the Wild West that it once was. You know, 20 years ago now. Yes, Elon bought Twitter and is making Twitter great again, and it is now back to being somewhat closer i think certainly much yeah, closer. But boy are there bumps in the road <laughs> <laughs> there are bumps in the road but at least we can go back to we don't have to worry about you know stepping on landmines now we can you know milo if milo were to come back he could insult leslie jones all he wants and he would not get banned from twitter this time so i i think we do have a long way to go and i agree yeah it's probably got to be a mix of both if we were to go full alt tech you know the spreelies and whatnot we would have disappear. to disappear you disappear, but at the very least, if we had, if you build a network, if you get a bunch of people together to do something, then maybe it could be sustainable in terms of having a niche, having a corner of the internet that, you know, can sustain itself relatively well. Again, Gab is, Gab's done this very well. Gab has, they've got their own servers. They're working on their own payment processor, I believe. Like, but of course they can survive with that, with the follower following base they have and the money they're making. They'll never be YouTube, but they don't necessarily need to be. They just need to survive. And that, of course, we should strive to do more than just survive. We need to focus on fighting and we need to focus on winning. 
So we need to build our own daily wire. We need to build our own the blaze and we need to do it better than them because they're still too dependent on big tech. We they're 80, 20. We need to be more like 50, 50. We need to beat them at their own game. And as long as that message can be taken away from this. And again, even if Crowder put this message out there, not with the best of intentions, maybe he is just looking to enrich himself. The message is still there. That big tech is a problem that even the, the big conservative fighters who say they're going to fight it aren't necessarily ready to do anything about it yet. So we need to be more proactive. And all and certainly this goes back to what I've been saying about Ben Shapiro. Any conservative figures that are being propped up by the mainstream media, be wary of them. I'll never forget when the New York Times did a big front page puff piece on Ben Shapiro, the conservative gladiator. That's what they called him. And it's the same thing when they're pushing DeSantis or, or Nikki Haley or whoever it is, whoever on the, on the right that the mainstream media is promoting and saying, oh, look, is this person the future leader? Disregard. Doubt. Press X to doubt. All right. Do not take that person seriously. Consider them to be controlled opposition at the absolute worst or useful idiots at the best. That's my take. And that, of course, that's why I still support Trump going into 2024, among other reasons. Well said. No, I, I think that's about right. Be very wary of these people. Be wary. Be very wary of anybody asking you for money, asking you for your time. And just, you know, I, I don't even think with everything said, say Crowder is a Machiavellian person. I don't even think that necessarily means he's a bad person. I don't no. I don't think I would say anything sensitive on the phone with him ever. But uh, <laughs> people, people could say the same about me. Where's my little recorder? Here it is. Oh, yeah. Well, radio listeners, podcast listeners, I'm holding up a little recorder in my hand right now that I use any time flick it on hit the record button and we're recording uh use it all the time plug it right into the computer so i don't think crowder is a, necessarily even a bad person if he is a machiavellian person who is torching uh daily wire and the blaze also he can get some subs um i think it's cunning i think it's it's kind of it's kind of it's cunning and i don't think it's a bad thing but um i also agree that he is advancing an important message. And if Steven Crowder comes out of this and he creates mugclub.tv or whatever it's going to be, <laughs> and he brings people on and he pays them based on a – he pays them totally without any type of you have to be allowed on big tech – more power to you, man. I hope you can pull it off. I hope that you run a company that is 100% true to everything that you said in that video. And then I hope that you share the blueprints because there are a lot of us out here in the conservative publishing world, video world, all the world. We want to know how you do it, man. Pull it off and then let us copy. That is there's just so much. This is why, see guys, this is why we get Tom Pappard on every now and then. For these kinds of conversations, for these important messages to be taken away, only a man with the talent of Tom Pappard could explain it as well as he just did. D dude, Tom, as always, thanks so much for being on. Before we go, as always, of course, be sure to follow Tom and all the great work he does at ValiantNews.com and on Twitter at RealTomPappard. Tom, feel free, go ahead and plug away. Can you, can you maybe give us some previews here of what might be coming up at ValiantNews.com? Well, sure. So for those who don't know, Valiant News is our fantastic little conservative website. In five years, you're going to regret having not made this one of your daily reads. Uh, right now, if you go there, I think this is coming out on Monday, we should have a brand new op-ed from the one and only Raw Egg Nationalist, who you may remember from Tucker Carlson's documentary, The End of Men. So make sure to check it out, valiantnews.com. Raw eggs and nationalism together at once, only at ValiantNews.com. Where else can people follow you on uh, on social media, Tom? You mentioned Spreely.com, Spreely.tv. 
You can see all of our video content at Spreely.video. Spreely.tv is where you can see our live content. And if you want to check out a new and upcoming social network, we're starting to get a decent chunk of active users. Spreely.com. And I'm on all these things. Valiant is on all these things. We hope to see you there. And uh, we hope that you will see how it looks when some normal guys without institutional backing are trying to change the world one one website at a time, one alt tech creation at a time. Exciting times, folks. There are plans that are being made. So yes, here at The Right Take, we do hashtag trust the plan when the plan is by a man like Tom Pappard. We promised you that in 2023, exciting things were going to be coming courtesy of us and our friends. You will have to wait and see what some of those exciting things are. And maybe you can help be part of those things. Thank you as always, Tom. It's great to have you on. And we look forward to the next one. Thanks, Eric. Always a pleasure. And thank you guys so much for tuning in, as always, for this, the 90th episode of The Right Take. As always, be sure to follow us for all of our latest content at our website, righttakepodcast.com. The full list of social media websites and podcast platforms where you are available, righttakepodcast.com slash subscribe. And as always, if ever you guys are feeling oh so generous, I swear we're not going to ask you for your emails, righttake.com slash support. We'll talk to you next week, guys. <laughs>